This is Hacker Public Radio episode 3131 for Monday, the 3rd of August 2020. Today's show is entitled HPR Community News for July 2020 and is part of the series HPR Community News. It is hosted by HPR volunteers and is about 120 minutes long and carries an explicit flag. The summary is Warning Ken and Dave discuss some disturbing agricultural practices. Listener discretion is advised. This episode of HPR is brought to you by archive.org. Support universal access to all knowledge by heading over to archive.org forward slash donate. Just want to tell you that this show is deals with agricultural scenes that might not be that easy to listen to. Also, a lot of bad jokes. So, uh, listener discretion is advised. Hi everybody, my name is Ken Fallon and you're listening to another episode of Hacker Public Radio Community News, this time for July 2020. We're recording this on... Saturday at four o'clock on one of the most sunny days in the Netherlands, so you can expect some noise from the outside. Joining me this evening, as ever, is Mr. David Morris. Hello, hello. And it's not very sunny here. We had a very hot day yesterday, but it's uh, it's windy, it's cooler, and it's going to rain. But it's great. I love it. I don't like the heat. Yeah, no, the heat gets me all right, but... Uh, Anywho, uh, back to glorious 15 degrees of Irish summer tomorrow. And we'll be grand. <laughs> 15 degrees, let's head for the beach. <laughs> anyway, as some of you know, this is HPR Community News. What is HPR? That is a good question. Had a little bit of an existential crisis this month. And we asked on the, um, on the mail list, what is HPR? And more about that anon. But this is HBR Community News, where we talk about stuff that has come across janitor's desks this month. And traditionally, we would now introduce new hosts, Dave. But sadly. But sadly, no no new hosts again this month. That's a, it's a terrible thing. It is, considering, Dave, that we have an open call for shows at the moment. We're kind of getting the summer northern hemisphere lull and uh, people are busy doing other things so we could do with a few shows coming in Absolutely. that would be awesome especially from new hosts that would be even more welcome exactly exactly so what we normally do is we go over the shows that were discussed uh, that were presented last month to make sure that every single show has got some Usually positive feedback, because uh, 
I think uh, I don't think I, there's been a show yet that I've thought, gosh, I don't, I don't find that particularly interesting. So the first one was Zen Floater Two with uh, Fugiutia as a desktop. I thought we had another one from uh, Zen Floater earlier, previously He's, on this. He, he has Fugu been talking yeah. He was using it as a, a, ser- a server yeah, setup. Um, so he's now talking about it, using it on his desktop. Okay, cool. And uh, Luna Jernberg. Sorry, everybody. I butcher people's names universally the same. So uh, says Firefox, Firefox flat plaque. Good God, Firefox flat pack. Hello, we have Firefox as both a flat pack and snap. And that is one of the uh, Mozillans saying that. All right, okay. Really key role in driving the Swedish Mozilla community forward. Very good. From DuckDuckGo. There were comments about that in the in the show. So this is a this is an answer, which is which is great. Excellent. Do you want to do the tattoo one in the Kiwi accent, please? Um, I I need I need to refresh this. Hold on a second. Okay, I can do it. Oh you yeah, wish. yeah, yeah. No, it's okay. I I leave these. T- I I open the tabs for the next month after mm. we record the previous show, and then I forgot to refresh it. So it's sitting here with the hard for again. a whole month. Yeah, I, this is a browser yes. I tend tend to use only for this. Perfectly um, normal. <laughs> it's. Pale moon, pale moon, yeah, yeah. Anyway, you don't really want to know this, do you? I don't know why I'm telling you. Klaatu says, SD card plus encrypted hard drive. I love the idea of bootable SD card reading slash home from an encrypted hard drive, rendering a computer without the SD card a brick. Great model. Nice, eh? Yeah, 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 it's a great model. Very good idea. So, Tony with his Matchbox Restoration Part 4... Uh, this one was where he was um, using caustic soda, and every time I think of that, I think of uh, when we used to, well, you don't want to know, on the farm, what we used to use it for. Horrible, horrible, horrible stuff. Uh, not very eco-friendly or indeed animal-friendly. Archer72 nah. says... I, I'm guessing now, but I, I shouldn't be. Yeah, go on. You, do you want to do that one? Okay, well, it's... Anybody who's a bit squeamish can turn it off now. It's uh, There's an EU regulation that uh, cattle cannot have horns unless they're uh, a special breed. That's why you don't see cows with horns. So when they're young, you need to take the horns off. And later that was done with like a hot soldering iron that you basically burnt them off. But Prior to that, it was done by putting caustic soda on the skull, and oh, mg, it could go badly wrong. It was it's not a lot of care to do that, no. and it but, it took like several days for it to work, and then it obviously incredible, incredibly itchy and incredibly cruel. <sighs> yeah, 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 yeah. I don't quite understand the. Uh, if you just cut them off, they they will regrow, presumably. Yeah, they will. Yeah, because yeah. they they grow. Yeah. And then uh, they, there's an archery, and we had a we had a uh, 
calf that bled to death as a result. Mm, oh god. Mm, mm, mm. Did you know that if you have... should I have, should I cut this out? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was just going to go off on, a, on oh. another topic. Go on, yeah, yeah, I'll just shut up. No, I'll shut up. <laughs> two versions of this. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's uh, I find it fascinating, but uh, although rather horrible, but, but I'll I'm put sure a everybody sees the, it um, sees it that way. I'll put the warning in at the front. Okay, uh, Archer72 says, this is a very cool topic. I do like this topic, and I look forward to the next episode, which is good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I very much agree. I, I'm being fascinated with what Tony's doing here. It's uh, I had not thought of using caustic soda to do this sort of stuff. Never use it much, except in yeah. chemistry lab. But, uh, yeah, yeah, very cool. Very good. It is... Uh, yeah, I was thinking there there was lots of stuff that I could uh, use this trick on, not necessarily uh, restoring model cars. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It certainly take paint off, wouldn't it? Yeah, that's for and sure. And don't don't these things look nice when they're polished up? That last picture he's uh, yes. sending got some great pictures. Hmm. You really do need to if you're following along on this one. If you have the the ability to uh, go to the website and look at the pictures, you should do so. Um, following day was for me, nobody cared, uh, finding an Android phone to run Lineage OS. I, uh, I hate this in actual fact, and it's become more difficult. A lot of the apps that I've, uh, used to use, you know, be able to take off on one phone with Google services and put it onto another one now have stopped working over the summer, um, and require Google services to run. Why? Yep. Who knows? Yep. Yep. It's surveillance just, capitalism, isn't it? It's, it's just, and some of the applications were for, um, were for applications that particularly were angling the whole privacy aspect, and yes, they're requiring these Google services. Anyway, um, there you go. What can you do? I know. I, I was quite shocked that things are as bad as they as they are. And yeah. it's, uh, it's, I've, I've always semi-hated my uh, Android phone, and I now I hate it even more. <laughs> well, I have ordered a Pine phone, so that is coming. Mm-hmm. That'd be interesting. So we'll see. Yeah. At least the, the pain of, of not knowing if the phone that you're getting is actually going to run or not is, um, is going to be less. Yep. At least you, you yep. know... You're supporting, they support installing other operating systems and other bootloaders and stuff on that. So, but yep. if you're ever thinking about Lineage OS or something similar, have a have a quick listen to that show. Okay, uh, HPR community news. Only one comment, Dave. Apparently, we weren't controversial enough. Oh, CRBS. I found it surprising. On relating to maths on HBR, I found it surprising that it would call it the dark side of teaching maths on HBR. Did I say that? Since I distinctly recall a community show not so long ago, Ken himself requested someone to do a show on Fourier or was it Laplace transforms? Yes. <laughs> he's got yeah, he's got you there. Yes, I will <laughs> use any angle to get shows on HBR. Serious. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. The, the dark side of teaching math. I don't, I don't know. It's, uh, it has. It needs to be done. I think. And familiarity with it makes it makes it easier. I, I think. I'm I'm the world's worst 
worst mathematician. So, uh, but I do find myself reasonably comfortable with uh, with some of the things that I'm hearing from uh, from Andrew yeah. uh, Conway, for example. The my whole attitude to maths changed in the last, I think, two years when I heard Tatu say that maths is nothing more than a paper-based computer programming to to paraphrase him greatly but suddenly i went all right that's what it is and also well, that explains the yeah. fascination that the, the requirement for everybody oh you have to in order to do computers you have to be good at maths not necessarily well yeah i know as as a mere biologist who uh it, it didn't have anything to do with maths and stuff you found that I found I could program computers back in the early 70s. And the natural thing to do is to go and look at all the statistics stuff that we were being given as recipes, you know, take your numbers, add them all up, produce the mean, blah, 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 and think, oh, that's a program. I can turn that into an algo program and did. And uh, to get it, and others were <laughs> saying, well, how did you do that and stuff? But it just, it just seemed so I was a, an early waker upper in the biology department now that very department is stuffed with the um, bioinformatics people so absolutely so, yeah so uh, i uh, yeah i was i was just a, a fraction ahead of the curve and i've been way 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 behind it now <laughs> uh let me see finishing the frame on the long wheelbase recumbent bike which is part of bicycle hacking new series i think if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. let me put this one up. And uh, it's about uh, inspired by John Culp's uh, initial episode. And this is another one um, like Tony's, where it really helps if you uh, have a look at the photos in the in the show notes. Yes, yes. And made me think I... I need to get a workmate or something similar. <laughs> yes. That's the the upmarket one. I've got the smaller one. Um, yeah. That uh, yeah, it's it's in it's in constant use. Mine is getting a bit catchy could, now. Could do. Sorry, <clears throat> sorry, go on now. No, I'd finished. If somebody could do a quick episode review on workmates or similar products, and what to look out for, and what the best one will be, etc., 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 that would be absolutely awesome. Yeah, there's, there's a there's quite a range of them. The Black and Decker one, which is what this is, is the is very very good. And this one's got a a, a platform you can stand on. Are you doing the show now, Dave, on. or are you going to submit it later? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I'm off okay. to uh, I'm off to Lidl tomorrow where they sell interesting DIY stuff. Oh, uh, cool. to, to buy a pillar drill, I think. Hope. So oh yeah, to, how much? Uh, about 70 quid. Ooh, nice. Yeah. I'm very tempted to get one. But, they they uh, sell quickly. They, they tend not to have yeah. a huge stock and they sell quickly. No. So you're going to try and get in there. Well, my son's going to do it for me. You're going to get get there early and try and grab one. It's a, it's, you know, it's a, it's a DIYers machine, but boy, does it make a difference if you have one of them to, to, yeah. to do, drill proper holes and things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I really, uh, when I came to this house, the in the in the garbage, they had a um, one that you could mount an electric drill on, and I oh, threw yeah. it away because oh. there was a bit of rust on it, and I didn't uh... really know what it was at the time. And uh, I've been kicking myself ever since. 
Ah, uh, well, what can you do? I do have one of those, actually, and I haven't used it. It was specifically for a Black & Decker specific size drill, but uh, you could probably probably adapt it. It's, it's just a... 3D a, printer? A post. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 But a proper proper pillar drill, drill with with proper speed controls and yeah exactly it's got it's got a laser doodad on it Ooh, laser cross crosshairs where your your hole's going to get drilled so should I don't know I'll probably not get it after all this winter <laughs> so the following day we had a quick look at new features coming up in the JDK fifteen by Daniel Pearson's I liked this this was a good uh, a good thing to do actually. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's a na- and a different type of show that I enjoyed was uh, was good information stuff to be talking with the programmer guys, developer guys around the virtual coffee corner in the morning. Yeah, I worked in an environment where everybody hated Java, and then a whole team came were, were hired to do do some particular work, and they were all Java people. So we were all we were sort of partitioned between the Java haters for no no good reason I think, and the ones that loved it. And uh, I never knew quite where to stand. <laughs> and uh, so th- this makes me think that Java is actually something uh, maybe I should get into. I don't know. My son's it's learning used quite it a, quite a lot everywhere. Yeah, yeah. My son's doing is just in the process of finishing a project for his computer science MSc uh, using Java. That's what they yeah. they yeah. Uh, they use so he seems to be quite keen on it actually so okay mm. cool yeah good show and most enjoyable nice and a nice concept if uh somebody wants to do something similar for python or insert your own favorite programming language here um following day we had a hookah with uh, the a review of the akaso ek7000 pro camera which was Quite nice, little. Yes, sounds good for the for what it is. For yeah. the price, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Basically, a, a knockoff GoPro, I guess. And uh, as ever, Ahuka's show notes are excellent. But I mm-hmm. uh, didn't feel the need to put them into our show notes because it's related to a a product that probably won't be available. Well, that will probably be available for the lifetime that his website is up. So, mm-hmm. yep. kind of weird yep. when when to put stuff in the show notes and when not to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, following day, we had pest control. <laughs> yeah, this was uh, this was an interesting show by operator about how uh, he deals with uh, yeah stuff growing around and I think Brandon Ohio uh, summarized it perfectly surprise from the title of the show coming from operator I thought this would be some cool way to find bugs in the code surprised to hear this is about real life bugs good luck operator and I feel your pain wow yeah it it sounded horrific oh that was that was the word I use in my notes here so many nasties these blooming cockroaches and mosquitoes, mosquitoes particularly, and ants. Oh, I hate them. I hate them. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, uh, what a what a thing to have to deal with that lot. Wow. With, with, well, exactly. Why on earth would you want to live there? Was was pretty much my question. 
<laughs> Says he stuck in the cold climes of Scotland. Yeah, yeah. Well, suffering the rain. I think I think people that live around here are quite happy to uh, to put up with the with the uh, the climate that we have. In fact, I stuck my head out yesterday. My neighbours were sitting out in the garden. They're saying, "Oh, we can't stay in the house. It's too hot." Yeah. <laughs> and it was it was about twenty six degrees yesterday. Yeah, 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 and yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's, it's not it's not like Scotland at all. You know, it's, I hope it goes back to cold again. <laughs> so it attracts people who like cool uh, weather. I suspect. Nice. Nice, nice. You don't have to go far from here, though, to get into the, the Scottish lands that are full of the midges. And the midges oh, are deadly. Midges. Abs. Oh, they are, uh, they're a version of mosquitoes, aren't they? The same family? Well, um, I don't know, actually. I don't think they are. But but back in the time I did the interview, they said they're, the midges are... Or maybe I, I understood it to be that they were uh, part of the same family. Hmm. I I don't know to be honest, so I shouldn't really comment at all. But I have never it's never occurred to me that they might be. I don't yeah. think they act as um, disease vectors or anything like that. But by God, they bite and they just ah, the way they crawl around the, the your eyes in in their holes, oh, yeah. biting your eyelids and the corners of your eyes and everything. Ah. A midge <laughs> is a small fly including species of several families of the non-mosquito Nemotiocrarian diptera group. Diptera is just just two-winged flies. Yeah. They're found seasonally practically every landmass, permanently arid desert, blah, blah, blah. So they're non-mosquito thingy, whatever that means. So they're not a mosquito. Okay, fair enough. Anywho, we done with that? Next uh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm just just scratching uh, the oh, <laughs> midges. <laughs> I I yeah, working on a farm again. Uh, people are covering their ears, going, "No, no more farm stories." But uh, I found it best just to go out at the beginning of the summer and just get totally bitten by the feckers, and then uh, it seemed at least. Then it wasn't as bad for the rest of the summer if you if you got it over a mungo. Mm, mm. Do you, do you it, have things called clegs at all? Yeah, yeah, that's a horsefly. Yeah, <clears throat> those are vicious bugs. Oh, they really are. You definitely get them. Not not around the sort of housing areas, but I've been no. wandering wandering in the hills here, and those yeah. things just just will not leave you alone. They keep coming no. in for the, and as soon as they land, they've got um. You've got a few seconds. You got like yeah. a half a second before they bite, and they they don't. They're not like mosquitoes. Has got a, a sharp um, proboscis thing. These things have got two abrasive pads, and they scrape at your skin to make a hole in it to get the blood. <laughs> and it, you feel it. It's like yeah, a red yeah. hot needle coming at you. Uh, 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 I hate them so much. <laughs> you find them in Scotland. Yeah, they're they're pretty pretty. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, pretty common. An operator sitting there going, "Excuse me, <laughs> but do you think I live in a crop place?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're not invading your house, though. Mm. Though there are times around where I where I am, very far south in Scotland, where the midges do pop up in the evenings uh, if, you, yep. if you leave your doors and windows open uh, to uh, to cool the house down. Then you, you suddenly yep. find, "Oh no, the midges are in." There's not that many of them, but that's going to change probably as uh, climate change uh, gets worse. 
Oh, God, if we were depressed, now you're making it even more depressing. Thank you, Dave. <laughs> uh, we have um, mosquito nets up to keep the pests out. Yes, yeah, we're can do. not really into... I think in the midge areas, most houses have got, got uh, screens on the yeah. windows, but don't do that around here. Maybe we will need to. Okay, following day, unscripted ramblings in a mock, crisis at the manor. Dun, dun, dun. Um, this one was an episode a year ago uh, where we were talking about Liber Nil Net, which is the manor space. And it was a cool project. So, shall, do you want to do that one? So, Brian in Ohio says, Network, I'd love to hear more about how you build out this network. It's a great show. And Windigo says, Co-op hosting. I also enjoy hearing more about Manor.space. Very co-op style of hosting services, as as discussed in episode 2411. Co-op paradise is something that I find very encouraging. BK says, please tell us about how you built the manor. I enjoyed your talk very much, and it's revived my project of creating this kind of resource to facilitate community with minimal dependence on the cloud. Thank you. I hope you can manage to do a follow-up talk with details for community builders that would help us do the same and build on your experience. I may have an episode to contribute to that series if it ever comes. So, yes. Uh, Nightwise, the joy of retro computing. Nightwise talks about the old computers in his attic and how it is a lovely geek getaway. And there was one comment on that. Shall I do it? it, Yeah, if you you like. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Brian in Ohio says computer learning today i completely agree with the level of learning with computers today so much of computer space computer programming is opaque learning today seems to be oh i learned i learned i needed to do sudo in front of app get pip install blah all computers slackware install disk fourth on microcontrollers is the place to go to actually learn thanks for the show Good to hear the roads are bad in other places, in places other than Northwest Ohio. Now, I think Brussels is pretty grim road-wise, isn't it? From all accounts, yeah. I don't know. This this show, I think, had a major case of rose-tinted glasses because I remember sitting in front of uh, dust computers trying to coax. Uh, auto exec dot bash and sysmem high and sysmem low and interrupts here because it had this network card and then you buy a ver- different variant of the computer i remember wasting hours upon hours upon hours uh on all that sort of stuff that now just works tm yeah yeah, yeah. and the stuff that you learned back then they the thing about it is is there is stuff that you can learn, for example, Bash uh, or the command, Linux command lines and Linux tools like LS or whatever. And in 60 years, you will still be able to use those tools. Stuff like autoexec.bash, those highmem.sys, there were just hacks that I don't think I've ever used them in another context since then. And there's quite often where 
recently I've been sitting at AWS and um, at an Amazon thing where they were describing some innovative thing that they were going to develop um, to fix some problem. And I was thinking, that's actually frame relay is what you're talking about. Frame relay, uh, <laughs> they, use to, they use that sort of algorithm when calculating how much um, how much to bill you when you were doing frame relay stuff. So I thought, okay, what goes around comes around. But a lot of this batch stuff, a lot of this old core PC stuff is unusable because it was so proprietary to that particular type of hardware. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I have a, a, a... My mind's a little bit of a blank when it comes to older computers. I did use uh, early 6502s. Um, mm-hmm. I did learn to do 652, 6502 assembler on a... Um, I can't remember what it was called. It was just a... Uh, CPU on a on a PCB with a few lights on it or something LEDs on it or something, and uh, you had to oh, and and switches so you could you could you could uh, write out your code on a bit of paper and then uh, uh, put it in like the old old ways. I learned that, but other than that, I was a mainframe programmer, so I didn't I didn't really want. Um, oh, and the BBC Micro I had one of those, but but other than that, I didn't have any. Uh, any truck with uh, with PCs until about two thousand and two, three, something like that. Didn't buy one myself till about two thousand five. So, um, so a lot of that is a closed book, and I'm not wildly interested in it. Which is, yeah, you know, that is just a different different starting point, I guess. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, it can I can see the the pleasure in some of these things. Certainly, I would certainly talk about the BBC Micro with anybody who's prepared to talk about it. But, uh, but um, these these things, I don't quite see the appeal, to be honest. Yeah, but I can I can get that. Uh, it's a, it's a big thing, the retro computing uh, world. Um, yeah, 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 quite yeah. a lot uh, regularly on Hackaday. So don't. Because wrong, get me wrong. I, I I understand that I'm the exception to the rule here. Maybe well, my memory. Same here. Yeah, yeah. Same maybe here. my memory is just too too bad. I, I'd love to hear more uh, episodes about retro computing and why you're into it and why you know keeping the history alive. Yeah, I can kind of understand that. But uh, it would be a to, terrible tragedy if these sorts of old systems completely vanished. Absolutely. You know? yeah. So, yeah. you know, from the historical side of it, I'm very enthusiastic. But I, I don't have any great desire to, to work on one myself. I would, I would find it. I didn't find it relaxing at the time, and I definitely would not find it relaxing now. No. So, yeah. yeah. Anywho, next day. Uh, we had Linux in laws season one, episode ten, the Python bumper part one, and this is where um, they, uh, the two lads were discussing Martin and was going through Python, and well, actually, both of them were talking about uh, why Python, basically. Martin's learning it. That was the the message I took away. Had been learning it for a few months, so he was uh, he was yeah. still being convinced. Uh, I felt, but it wasn't quite clear. Martin's and, uh, Martin's audio is so low; I can't 
it does yeah, appeal to my hearing. <laughs> I, so I don't know what quite what he's doing, but it's, uh, he's, he, he tends to turn away from his mic, maybe or something, and get very quiet. I'm not sure other really could do with the uh, yeah increasing the gain on his if they've got two different channels. Mm-hmm. Don't know how they're recording it, but uh, re- possibly recording locally and uh, bumping up his audio because I, I also I'm really struggling to hear what he's saying. It's some really interesting stuff they're talking about, though. Yeah. When, yeah. when you when you get to to get to hear it and try and fill in the gaps between the bits you don't hear, it sounds sounds most interesting. So I'm enjoying the, the show. And uh, Guido, who I can only presume is Guido van Rossum, says, "Nice episode on a weird language." Python is ancient. Have you ever heard of Rust? <laughs> yes, I, I thought uh, I thought Monochromic had been pushing Rust from the first show, or does he just talk about it on the second one? I'm not sure. He's he's a he's a Rust uh, fanatic, I think, isn't he? Apparently, yes. Um, so the following day, we had uh, Zen Floater Two. With FFS2, Pugieta encryption and UUIDs and a 9 volt battery. I talk about converting my Dell i386, blah, 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 blah. And let me see. Anonymous listener says security is hard. So basically, this is about. Um, about the Dell Mini 10, which sounds like a really nice laptop, actually, discovered that he could uh, boot it and you know various different types of data encryption. So, anonymous sister, security is hard. I think you overstated the security aspects of read-only file systems. Even if you set it to read-only at the block device level, it won't stop a rootkit or kernel exploit from writing to the drive. Some USB drives, SD cards, and occasionally hard drives claim to support device-level read-only mode, but even then, they almost all have writable firmware that could be maliciously modified by software on the host, see bad USB. The only consumer hardware I know of that supports anything close to physical write protection is CD-ROMs, and even most CD-ROM devices keep their firmware on a writable flash chip. Most of these are advanced attacks that the average person will never have to worry about, but worth keeping in mind. Read-only root file systems are mainly meant for resilience against power failures and simple unprivileged malware, but it's not meant to provide any true security against sophisticated attacks. That's why we have UEFI Secure Boot. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a viewpoint I've never never encountered before. So yeah. very very interesting. Um, Gumnos says OpenBSD on a Mini Ten. I've got OpenBSD on a Mini Ten as well. Love it, but the graphics are slow on the GMA five hundred chip. No Pulsobo driver, whatever that is. So it falls back to using Visa. Does yours have the same chipset, and did you find accelerated drivers for it, or did you just use it at the console where it's pretty snappy? I've upgraded mine to the maximum 2 gigabytes of RAM, put a newer SSD in it, and replaced the BCM wireless card, which never worked reliably with an Atheros. But it's a wonderful little unit. Thanks for the episode. Cool stuff. How open are role-playing games? This was something that I didn't even think 
I needed to worry about. But uh, Magnalu and Tlatu seem to think it's a good topic for a show. So fine. <laughs> and it actually was a good topic for a show. It's very interesting. It's strange that they took this uh, change in direction to kind of produce the open game license. But it is kind of cool. Um, after the show, because of the... Uh, rewind. Because Tlatu is a very nice person and has is now running five, I think, D&D games. <laughs> so he's running a separate one for my kids and one of their friends. And... My son Podrick has got the he got the full Monty manuals for um for uh, his birthday last year, and uh, but his friend doesn't have anything, so this here is the uh, we were able to send him this document um, that uh, Tlatu produced, so right. he at least has something that you can read. Mm-hmm. When I said he has sent it, it will be sent by the time you. <laughs> this because I completely forgot to send it but now that I've been reminded I will send it on cool cool. yeah it's uh, I hadn't realised there were so many levels to this um, and uh, so it was quite a quite a revelation as far as I was concerned yeah. it was it felt very much like the um, you know the free solve for our licensing thing that mm-hmm. th- mm-hmm. this is how they approach it, and Tlatu uh, mentioned that there were drew inspiration from the GPL for how you approach it, and I think it's a fair, uh, a fair system. Seems to have been worked out. Yep. Pretty cool. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So, opposing views on tattoos. One of the few controversial shows this month. <laughs> <laughs> This was interesting because um, my wife has tattoos and uh, I don't. And we it was more or less Windigo was taking my side and uh, his wife uh, had, had the same as my as my wife. And the funny thing, well, the funny thing is that uh, my wife had all these tattoos prior to them being you know the tattoo popularity and is now mm-hmm. quite annoyed that something that was was you you know unique to her has now become more popular but uh yeah she's never wanted me to get a tattoo though no no it's it's a, i i find it fascinating too because of the the distinct difference between the two viewpoints and i i sympathize m- with Windigo more than uh, in fact I, I made a comment to that, that effect so. I shall read Tattoo's comment and then uh, you can read yours and I will comment some more uh, Tattoo Team Mrs. Honeyhoom uh, you only get one body in life so why not decorate it in the, in answer to the you only have one body in life why why put a tattoo in it Dave Morris <laughs> says I said, I have an aversion to tattoos. If I could have signified my surprise at being writing that that sentence, I would have done, but I couldn't. Anyway, very interesting discussion, I said. It made me think a lot about the subject. When I was a kid in the 1950s, 60s, tattoos weren't cool. So society I grew up in, which was working class, 
Greater London and then Norfolk was not supported by them. They would think that people of lower class, in quotes, had, or at least that was my impression. I tried to shed as much of this type of attitude and prejudice as I can, but I still don't find myself wanting a tattoo. I have no problem with anyone else choosing to have them, though, and in some cases I admire the choices they've made. I've never voiced this opinion to my kids, as far as I know, but neither of them were keen on the idea of having tattoos when I asked. Recently, that was. Uh, the prospect of making a permanent bad decision about them, about having a tattoo, was certainly a factor in their, their choices. So thanks for a thought-provoking episode. So my thoughts to the kids has been, you know, we were discussing tattoos and stuff. And the thing about it for me is that graphic design fads, fashions change over time. You only have to look at the logos of name brands to look at their past. Like the Google logo has changed so much over time. And you have that, you can also have that with tattoos it's very difficult for me to think of an image that doesn't personify a era it's and it's very difficult yeah. to, to put those two apart so i said to the kids that if you are thinking of having a tattoo i'll support you in that and they'll even pay for it but do out your design and we can we can get it on a sock or on a temporary tattoo for a while but put it in the drawer and leave it there for eight years and then come back and then see Right, is that a good... Am I still happy with that? Because, you know... Because then the longevity of the thing will be will be questioned. And I yeah. really don't have a, a problem with people who they have a vision for the tattoo in mind and they're putting it on. But it's the ease at which other tattoos seem to go on that I, I go in and I pick it from a recipe book, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a fashion, isn't it? It's a it's a the different designs of fashions. This is what, pretty much what you just said. Yeah. Um, and uh, that was what my daughter said. Actually, she said, "I, I would I, I would be very very hard, It would be very hard to make a decision based on that decision being a permanent one. You know, because yeah. if if it faded after five years or something, then I could get another one. Then I wouldn't be so bothered. But the, the thought that, that it's there for good, and I may end up hating it." Because yeah. yeah, for the the same sort of reasons, the, the the fashion would change your your viewpoint would change you. You've matured, you've changed in your outlook. Yeah. She's yeah. um, you know, all of those sorts of things. Yeah, it's um, I, if I were to choose a tattoo, I would go for something sciency or something, you know, like yeah. a um, constellation or a or something a molecular a structure or a. Uh, covid virus or something <laughs> but uh yeah <laughs> and very very tiny <laughs> but they, I, uh, I don't i have no yeah. no great desire that said i uh i i really love some of the artwork i've seen on people with tattoos and you know i'm you've met me dave i'm not exactly i look like mr conservative especially with my bitchy rest face and you go up to you know uh uh, counter and somebody serving you and uh, you're looking at their tattoos and they see you looking at their tattoos and like all you have to do is say hey nice ink and then boom they they start telling you about the whole story of it and this side I'm going to do and this side I have over here and this is about my uh, this is my kids and these here this is my wife and this is you know the cool stuff yeah that's a plan you've got a you've got a plan and you're executing it <laughs> 
versus yep. the, the uh, somebody tattooing the Chinese symbol for you know, <laughs> whatever yeah, accident yeah. in somebody's back. And and I've seen seen people who who read read and speak Mandarin or whatever, seeing these and saying, "Oh my goodness." Do they realize that what they've written on themselves there? Because in many cases, whoever has advised you to use that symbol has got it completely wrong. Or so, deliberately wrong. Yeah, or deliberately wrong, and they're having a good laugh at you for doing yeah. it. Yeah, it's, oh. it's not, a, not a good thing. My, my kids were in Japan last year, yeah. and uh, in Tokyo, and they went to a uh, sort of spa place, you know, with the yeah. hot um, onsen, hot baths and stuff. And yep. that particular one, if you had any tattoo whatsoever, you yep. were chucked out. You didn't get your money back either. No, they were that's very, a... very, very strongly against it. It's all the Yakuza stuff, I think. Yeah, but, uh, fascinating, but, uh, that is. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's uh, very different outlook. Well, the history music. of that was, I, the, if you ever, there's a YouTube channel called uh, Jatsby, I think, uh, stuff I found interesting. And he explained where that came from. Mm. That they, if you were a criminal, um, you got a, a tattoo, uh, you got marked, and then they put on other tattoos to disguise these state uh, state tattoos. And then it became a tradition that uh, they I mafia classes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't know the the details of that. I knew it was it tended to be a yakuza. The Japanese mafia, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. gangsters, um, mark, but uh, but yeah, oh, let's search out more. So, anyway, enough about that. Uh, that said, uh, yeah, I did see a tattoo recently. Uh, and I know the history of it, and it's a really cool emotional story associated with it. But when I saw it, I was thinking, "Oh my God, that's a Massey Ferguson logo from the 1950s." But, <laughs> <laughs> and I can never unsee that again. <laughs> it's probably quite but, cool. I mean, certain circles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that's I, and I said to the kids before not about tattoos and stuff, about graphic design. That the Phillips logo has to be the most classic uh, company logo ever it's you know that you know that the grid with the stars and the wombly signals oh yeah 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 uh-huh it's just completely timeless you can't put a you can't put an age in it i know they tried to mess with it but um they, i think they've even now gone back to the original logo with the with the flowing uh, symbols like very uh any graphic designers listening to this shouting down the microphone um uh, Please record a show. We shall do this. Um, okay. Yeah, the next one was the one that was a uh, uh, new review and commentary. I just want to read what actually happened here because uh, there's an apologies from me to Zemfloater 2. As, uh, actually, going back, looking at our website, it's not very clear about what is what we do and we don't do on the website. And Dave and I have taken it upon ourselves. Well, to be honest, Dave is told me off sternly and uh, I've gone to the corner and thought <laughs> long and hard about what I should do. Um, so um, so it was not, this is 
I'll read my comment before we read the other ones. So it was not sent photos into his intentions to have the show notes for this episode. When I posted the show, I added the show notes and tags to this episode. So the changes that were made were tags. He sent in tags of Devanuran. Devuan, I think it is. Devuan, correct. And he sent in show notes with the show notes. I have no notes for this episode, unquote. So having read the what he did send in, which was uh, the title being Devuan Review and Commentary, and the uh, summary, which was Devuan Review plus I Talk About Race, I assumed that that was about the Debian fork, and therefore I took the first line from the Wikipedia article saying Debian is a fork of Debian, uses sysvinit or OpenRC instead of systemd, which is a default in your Debian releases, and the Debian development team aimed to maintain compatibility with other init systems in the future and not detach Linux from other Unix systems. And we do this quite a bit, Dave. <laughs> it might not be clear to people, but uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We, uh, we, we we have actually said on the mailing list and stuff about you know how we we try and tidy up notes and and uh, you know change, fix the spelling mistakes and the grammar and and turn plain text into Markdown and HTML and that sort of stuff. We, but we've never said it very explicitly. Um, so, yeah, as you say, there's, there's, there's room for misunderstanding there. Absolutely. Um, and I, to be honest, I interpreted the I have no show notes. I have no notes for this review uh, to being I have no notes for this review and you add them because we have said countless times that if there are no show notes, we will add them by the hosts. Mm-hmm. It says so on the anyway. site. Yeah, so, um, Bitten says, uh, politics. This show is more about American politics than uh, Debian, to be honest. Dan says, do you want to read that? Yeah, yeah. Dan says, purposely misleading episode. For all listeners, there's a, there's two minutes of discussion about Debuan. The remaining 32 are political commentary. I will no longer trust or listen to this contributor. And then I posted an update to the show notes uh, at that point, which was uh, an edit, and I put in an edit as we do after uh, the show. If we ever go back, we normally, normally not always, put an edit in saying a significant portion of this show relates to the U.S. Supreme Court case of McGurty versus Oklahoma and speculation as to possible ramifications. Um, So the comment I put in to support that was updated show notes. We do not listen to show notes prior to posting to ensure the hosts are given freedom of speech. Shows are not moderated with a link to that page. And we have links to we had a discussion previously about that about that on the mailing list, and the end. And at that time, it was about the use of offensive language in the show, which nobody, um, nobody had an issue with. Well, people had an issue with it, but it was because the show was not flagged as um, there was no warning given to the listeners about it. So at the time, was okay. Where is the show? And the decision from that was the show was between the intro and the outro, essentially. 
the audio that you get, uh, we don't moderate that. We do edit it. We do transcode it into primary uh, PM. We uh, pulse PCM, pulse uh, to a raw fo format so that we can convert it into all the other formats. So we do edit it that way. We do edit, edit it insofar as we edit it using a script. We don't make any editorial decisions about it. And you have to be very careful with your words here, Dave. Um, so we've reduced it from stereo to mono, for example, and sometimes we might even do truncate silence on it. Um, but the agreement in that episode, and that was from, who was it then? Mirror Shades, which was to kind of think of HPR as like a music store. So you have the um, parental warning thing on, on the label, and you've got a safe in air quotes cover on the outside and then when you open up your cd you have the, the more explicit graphic material so it was a sort of gentle people agreement that we would do that so that's kind of where we are thing that we didn't do dave or the thing that i didn't do specifically was update the show notes and all the frequently asked questions and stuff to reflect that um so that's that's mm -hmm. housekeeping mm -hmm. that that we need to do yeah, yeah. Need to do that for sure. Uh, Drax. So, shall I do that one? You just did Please, that. Yeah. You're on one. Draxil says, very interesting listen. Very interesting listen. Probably more interesting than an episode about Devuan, to be honest. Beezy says, interesting but misleading title. You're entitled to your political opinions, but please title your episode appropriately. I could talk about some of the accuracy of many of your statements, but I don't believe this is the proper forum to do so. No, be easy, because the proper forum is to submit a show. Yes, indeedy. <laughs> and Co sends in the comment, misuse of HPR. HPR is an open platform, and it's very troubling to find out that it's been had. Someone felt the need to troll the platform with political statements backed by doubtful arguments wrapped in a misleading title. And then uh, the comment... Uh, so my apologies to uh, Zenfloater2. Um, there, and, and X said, good, very interesting things that I had no idea about. I got trolled into listening to this name <laughs> said, <laughs> title should be a short Debuan review. So I'm allowed to post this here and a full episode of my opinions on race and American politics. That's what the title should be here. He or she believes. Brian in Ohio, the ruling. The Supreme Court ruling only applies to those crimes covered under the Major Crime Act. I don't think anyone is going to get out of paying taxes in Oklahoma anytime soon. Here's the link for the ruling. And again, I th actually looking back at these comments, I think most people are just a little bit... Uh, uh, the, the title was... Uh, title could have been better because the topics themselves are definitely of interest to hackers. So um, please keep these shows coming. Yep. Following day, Archer72, Arduino-controlled Christmas lights, because it's never too early to start planning for Christmas, Dave. <laughs> oh, it was, this was great. I like this. <laughs> he does do some really nice notes. I, I like the way he lays out his his notes. So being, being a note devotee, I, 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 I yes. do see these things. And a picture on archive.org. Yep. So, yeah. It's, it's, Without the music. 
that's, that's <laughs> kind of weird. It would be nice if he said what music it was so that we could play the music and see if the lights do go in sync. So, yeah. Yeah, it's still quite oh, an impressive, is... impressive thing he's done there, I think. This is right up my alley, this sort of stuff. Love it. Okay, keep them coming, keep them coming. Next day, Matchbox Restoration Part 5. Uh, and this is, again, more from Tony Hughes. And you would want to have a look in the show notes. This is really coming along. Bubbling of his paint didn't work out very well. No, that was strange, wasn't it? Yeah. And he, he sprayed over it again and it, it was all right. Was absolutely perfect. Yeah, it yeah is. I'd have been very upset if that had happened. But, uh, he just uh, kept going and it was fine. And he was even able to clean up that yellow tint from the uh, plastic windscreen and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And he covers it in a sort of varnish uh, material um, to, yeah. to get get a good finish on it. So, fantastic. Uh, really impressive. Uh, this, is a, this is an example of something that if you told me, you know, in a pub back in the days when people went to pubs to... <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. I just yeah. did. You used to go to a pub, Granddad. <laughs> yeah, I used to fly in an aeroplane. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anywho, um, yeah. Nine years time when they've got all the uh, the uh, the vaccines and everything. We're wondering what are you on about? We're in COVID time at the minute for historical reference. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, following it, yeah. Anyway, that's that's one of these these rebooting speech module. That's one of these shows that you don't think you're going to be interested in, and then find yourself looking forward to them as they hit your feed. Yeah, yeah. There's something about watching somebody doing a a complicated and skillful thing that is is always fascinating. It's a bit like standing beside a building site and watching people uh, doing what they do. <laughs> I just had the yep. road dug up outside here. Yep. I've just installed uh, fibre along the along the pavement here. Yeah, and I spent a goodly time yesterday when they were doing stuff, just watching what they were doing. You know, and you're <laughs> you're now overly... of age, Dave, where it's perfectly <laughs> acceptable to do this. Yeah, yeah. It's, Some old yeah. geezer come over. And... Yeah. <laughs> I didn't go near them because of poor guy. COVID. He never gets out. <laughs> I'm just looking out the window. They don't even look up. Exactly that. Like, oh, look at that old so and so looking at us. Uh, he must be remembering the Bless times him. when he could do things like this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So no, I just find that sort of thing fascinating. I'm sure a lot of people do too. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I I must admit to nipping down and taking photos of every hole, <laughs> any hole that appears in the road. I'm down there with my camera, just taking pictures. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It amazes me, you know. And this is my own thoughts, blah 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 blah. Not necessarily those of my employer or any affiliate, past or present. Uh, it amazes me though how chaotic the street infrastructure is, like. You think that, all right, well, the council must have a, a drawing somewhere of here are all the sewage systems and here's all the telecom systems and here's all the cables. It's not. You just open up the roads and fuck everything in. <laughs> Shut yes. it back down again yes. and hope yes. for the best that you don't cut yes. it down. Anything. It's just I, I, nuts. I had a conversation with people from the, the gas, uh, the you know, the Scottish gas company. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this maybe la- late last year. Because they, the 
the guy who was doing the foundations for my neighbour's extension um, had come across a gas pipe, which was not not it was a big surprise. And I said to them, "Do you do you have a sort of master plan of where all these pipes go? You know, from yeah. the street to the house?" And he said, "No, I don't have any of this. Nobody has this. No, <laughs> they no. don't even know where your water runs, where your sewage no. runs, they don't know anything." And it's entirely As you say. down to the to the guy who uh, who put it in. You know, yep. shortest road possible. Could be going through fourteen neighbours. You never know. Although shortest. now they're 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 making more of an effort with, uh, especially with the fibre cables, they're putting mm-hmm. uh, trackers on them because they're not even detectable with the. Um, well, that's you know, right. There's no metal that's in them, right. so they're, mm-hmm. they're, they're mm-hmm. not even detectable. I didn't so, notice them doing that, but uh, they they put a piece of. Uh, a, a strip of tape which said fiber on it <laughs> and yeah, laid that yeah. on top of it before they put the gravel on top of it yeah i did notice that but well, uh, wrapped around maybe. the inside of the cables themselves there's mm-hmm. uh there's a little bit of um id and they're supposed to put id tags down every so often mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but anyway mm, mm, yeah yeah well that makes sense Though, what's going to happen when the next company wants to put fiber in? I, I have no idea because it's yeah. going to happen. I think it's going to there's going to be a rush for companies to come in and put uh, put um, optical fiber all over the place. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I'm unable to comment due to <laughs> due to reasons. The next week. <laughs> 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 I'm biting my lip here, Dave. Anywho, uh, speaking of people who submit shows on topics that are of interest to hackers, is the gimp, the canvas, the man, a hookah, is doing to the gimp what he did to the LibreOffice series. Speaking of which, we had somebody today who sent in a bug uh, about the entire LibreOffice series not downloading using the link on the website. And we fixed that. So thank you very much for doing that. And yeah, I don't need, we have a limited, we use the same RSS PHP script to generate the RSS for all the feeds, depending on parameters that you put in. So by default, it's only 10 days, 10 episodes long. And then if you want the full thing, you put full in. So I hadn't done that. And now, the world is a better place as a result, proving <laughs> things you should file bugs. And number two is that people do value uh, the LibreOffice series. So very good. Yeah, yeah, that was that was really nice to see. Actually, very good. Andrew Conway slipping in, coming in here with his mats, trying to pollute all our brains with logic. There's formulas, even Dave. There's pictures. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's, it's CRDS can say what he wants. But yeah. Anyway, could you want to read your one? Oh, yeah, yes, yeah. Well, Andrew said in his thing, he said um, the word geodesic, what a geodesic is in uh, in the context he was talking about. And he said, oh, I, I don't actually know where the word comes from, the etymology. Maybe somebody would send in a comment to do that. And of course, somebody <laughs> did, and, and I'm afraid it was me. Uh, and I, after I'd written, I thought, should I really 
Anyway, I did. So I said, hi, Andrew, regarding geodesic, I found some answers here and I pointed them at the site Etim Online, which is a great source for this sort of stuff. Geodesic, the word is from geodesy, which is which means surveying. I think it's Greek. I didn't give give every tiny detail from the site. You can go and look if you need to. Geodesy is is built from... I don't know how to pronounce this, uh, G, G or something, which is uh, the same as the root of, of Gia and, um, uh, and other, other words pertaining to the earth. And mm-hmm. Deyin, which means to divide. So it's mm. dividing, dividing the, the earth. And uh, there's, because that's just my limited summary, have a look at Atom Online site for geodesy for the full description. And I say to Andrew, enjoying the series more, please. And Sesame Mucho says, special thanks. I've enjoyed listening to your last two shows. You presented a very clear introduction to the concept. It's amazing how much an apparently small topic can unfold into something so complex and interesting. On a tangent, see what he did there? She did there. <laughs> it did there. I'm doing exactly this calculation for a project at work, and this episode showed me a simpler and more easily explained way to do it. There you go. Making a difference. Yeah, absolutely. We need more, need these sorts of things. So the following day, the 28th, we had quarter share uh, from the Audiobook Club, and 5150 is still with us for this one. Um, enjoying these actually, uh, with sadness in my heart and joy at the same time. Yes, yes, indeed, indeed. This was 2015 was what I made, and but somebody somebody mentioned the the year, and they were talking about it. I think so. That's a that's a that's amazing. A a bit of a backlog. It is. Yeah. It's excellent. Yeah. That's excellent. Um, yeah, and. Quarter share. I love the series, even uh, even if fifty one fifty did did uh, make a comment to how I viewed uh, this was an ideal version of capitalism in these books that uh, nobody ever exploited their employees. So <laughs> yes, I haven't I, I haven't heard this one. I it's did, worth a, it's worth a listen. Yeah, there was. Did they do an, another Nathan Lowell book earlier on? Because I think yeah. I listened to that. Yeah. I really enjoyed that. But uh, but uh, these I ones are more uh, are more techy. I didn't enjoy the other one as much as I enjoyed this series. So it's mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's no spoilers. This guy, uh, spacefaring guy, goes into the merchant navy and works his way up. And you start with a quarter share, then a half share, and then a full share, and blah blah, captain share, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, very cool, very cool books. Yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely on my uh, list now to um, to go and read or listen to or whatever. Yeah. So, the Linux Outlaws, season one, episode eleven, the Python bumper part two. This time, it's the second half. So, very good. Can't argue with that. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was, it. it's. I think we've, we've covered aside. we've covered a moderate number of things about this, and uh, yeah, this is where I heard uh, the discussion about Rust, which uh, yeah, ah, it's really good, really good, and they are actually looking through some of the 
whatever these PEPs stand for, which are their enhancement proposals or something, aren't they? Yeah. Um, yep. Things that are going to be changed in Python um, in the in the near future. So, yeah, and another case of, of of looking looking in depth at the way a language is developing, which is interesting. Yep. So, uh, following show was another one from Zen Floater Two, and. This time I didn't edit anything. The title is follow up on HPR three one two two and more percent more undescribed. And I disliked this episode for the following reason. <laughs> the link to that video that he put in, that song was in my head for the, <laughs> for ages. Ages and ages and ages, and I can't even look at it now without thinking of the same, uh, the same <laughs> song. Well, I know I I also followed this up because I was intrigued, and this was very a very popular song in my childhood. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure what what era, what era that was from, but um, the way Astrid Gilberto sings it on. The various YouTube versions. They have another singer here who does a wonderful job of it, and yeah. um, it was very odd. She she seemed really awkward. Whereas the thing that was released as a great hit record at the time was phrased quite a bit differently. You know, I mean the the, yeah, yeah. the the phrasing in relation to the music. She sort of lost the beat a little bit in the the YouTube thing I saw. I, I don't. Know. She. I think she was very, very nervous. She was sort of the only person around who would, who could sing it. Apparently, yeah. She's the wife of the uh, of the composer or the band leader. Or I'm not sure exactly what the relationship was, but it's quite fascinating. <laughs> and it's a strange song, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Quite. It's appealing. used all over the place. Yeah, yeah, Did yeah. Do we even yeah. mention what it is? <laughs> I don't think we should. I don't think we have. <laughs> no, no, no. no you just have to it wasn't in the take, show notes. So. Take our comments and uh, and then try and uh, extrapolate them to, uh, to the actual thing. Yeah. Uh, Jan says, Zenfloater2 asked for comments on explicit or not. Hi, Zenfloater2. This show in question came into my podcast showing the following title. Duvoin Review and Commentary. I got the impression... The show will be about Devoin and not knowing at the time what Devoin might be. After listening, I asked myself why you did two topics under one headline, me not seeing the connection. I'm pretty sure the HBR folks noticed that too and might not have bothered doing a comment if each topic were put into a show of its own. Thanks for providing the content, Zenfloater 2, Jan, lacking knowledge of English. Well, that is perfect English as far as I'm concerned. But, um, yes, I think yeah, very he, well. he, he pretty much um, either you know label it correctly or split into two shows and don't label it. But but if you don't want us to edit your show notes, then put it in the show notes. Hi, admin, janitor guys, Ken, Dave, whatever. Don't edit the show notes. Tell us we're not psychic and we don't listen to the shows beforehand. So. That is something that we cannot, that I'm not going to deviate from for two reasons. One, HPR is a show of peers, and we all um, we all have as much right to put on a show as anybody else. And you can all say my show is good, bad, or ugly, but it's my show, so uh, I shouldn't judge Dave's shows. Dave doesn't 
shouldn't judge whether my show goes up. Or so that's that. Uh, second thing is the weird um, safe harbor provision where you're protected from um, you're protected from the content on your uh, server so long as it's. Uh, the responsibility of the other person, blah, blah, blah. You knowingly don't know that there's copyright infringement content going on there, which is actually the only reason he mentioned in that in this episode about uh, John Culp. I don't think it was John. It was um, a weird Dutch guy. What's his name? Jeroen. Jeroen pretended to ignore us at uh, Odd Camp, mm-hmm. obviously saw us, and then, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I joke. He's doing okay. Obviously, obviously, he's having trouble with this, uh, with his situation. He's cocooning at the minute. Um, but when this is uh, this COVID thing, hopefully dies down a smidgen. We'll meet up for a few beers and something to eat, mm, keeping yeah, safe yeah, yeah. distance as we will do. That uh, that's coming soon. Yes, indeed. But in that show, the issue there was not that he had copyrighted material. Uh, well, that was his problem, but. It was that the material, he told us that there was no copyrighted material in there, so we couldn't, and I wasn't willing to take that risk because, but he could have done it. You know, if somebody else wants to take over from me, that's absolutely fine too. I don't care. Um, So do you want to do the next comment? Yes, indeed. Brian in Ohio says, Supreme Court ruling. Quite entertaining. Is Zen Floater channeling 5150? I call it quilt logic, pieces sewn together that sometimes are beautiful and sometimes end up as pieces relegated to a bin in the attic. As far as the ruling, the Supreme Court ruling only applies to crimes covered under the Major Crimes Act, so all the other Oklahoma not existing anymore doesn't apply. Here's the link to the ruling, and he gives a, a link to a PDF. Read the first paragraph. Also, I'm sure people in the UK, including occupied Ireland, probably don't don't care about Oklahoma, the reservation or electoral college or all the real threats to their own sovereignty that exists from the German Empire. Keep the shows coming. They are, if nothing else, entertaining. P.S. Editing the show notes is not editing the content. I suspect all show notes are edited somehow to fit the formatting scheme the admins use. Yeah. <laughs> He's poking a the stick there. <laughs> he, yeah, yeah, it's a bit, bit sharp, and it's going in several directions. But, uh, no, I yeah. think it's a bit tongue in cheek there with Brian, but um... yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he's 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 pretty much on the money as far as the the editing and and stuff is concerned. But we need to be very uh, need to be a lot more explicit about what it yeah, is absolutely. we do and under what circumstances and things. That's that will help, I think. Occupied Ireland. Do you know? What I found out recently, you know, uh, what I obviously I, I I come from the Republic and our history is all about the great the great um, battles and independence and all the rest of that that we had, and uh, you know the invading that these people were planted put in plantations in the north, but if you go back a few hundred years before that, they or a few thousand years perhaps, then. The people in Scotland, the Scots themselves, were a tribe of Irish people from Ulster who went and invaded Scotland. <laughs> so, so, uh, hold yes, on. yes, yes. You planted you planted people back who were here before. You know, before you know, they, uh, history yes. is never as cut and dry as you think it is going to be. No, no. The, the tendency to simplify it 
sometimes just to make a point is is strong, but it, but it doesn't fit with reality very well. Well, actually, I, I, the only way I can read it is like it's propaganda by the the education system in Ireland. What we learned was balanced enough, I suppose. Um, I was reading a book on that we had to study again. Um, uh, it was one of the few books that survived the great fire <laughs> that my uh, my father had, burning all my books from school and my notes. Five years, not that I'm bitter, not that I'm bitter, but I do. Um, but it was pretty balanced, uh, all in all, the the history that we got. But if you were down in the pub, you got a very a very different version of history. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wood sided would be the word that I'd be looking for. Until Jack Charlton, and then everything changed. Yeah, I, I'm afraid I know so little. I don't think we were we were given much information, no, no. and I've not gone searching searching for it much. Yeah, but and yeah, then, they. Uh, but it's quite easy, you know. When essentially Ireland, we were oppressed. We kicked out the English. Aren't we great? Do you know? <laughs> well, what are you going to do? Yeah, yeah. Ugh. Interesting stuff. Well, actually, Irish history is quite depressing because it's uh, there were we got invaded, and then things were quiet for a while, and then we got invaded again, and then things were quiet for a while, <laughs> we got invaded again. But that's actually pretty close to the history of England as well, to be brutally honest. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, but it's 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 sold in a, in a slightly different way, I guess, yeah. in the the English case. It's uh, yeah. It's edited very, very effectively. Yes, history, interesting, fascinating topic. But you—it's a bit like your news. You need to be getting it from more than one source in order to to get a, a full understanding of what actually went on. Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's good to avoid a lot of modern news <laughs> and find a good source if you possibly can. Um, more quick tips. Uh, this is Operator, and I think he just records stuff, and then when he gets three or four, he puts them together and sends them in, <laughs> which I'm very I, happy about. Yeah, yeah, I think I quite like his his, his approach to this. Actually, yeah, it's just it's completely it's, random. Yeah, just... suddenly you go, oh, I can tell people about such and such, and bam, off he goes, and, and yeah, and, and a lot of them are really, uh, really very good. Yeah. And I'm it's sure they're like, all, just, all very good. Some of them yeah, are very relevant, is what I mean. Relevant to me. <laughs> they won about anything that's got Google um, Google phone thing. What do you call it? Google. The Google, where you got a Google phone number and it's the free VoIP service. That's completely and totally American-based, so of no use mm, to anybody mm, outside yep, the US. Yep, yep, yep. Which is annoying in ways, some of the cool stuff that you can do with that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the, uh, that was. The, I just going to comment that the show up to movies twenty minutes late to miss out <laughs> the uh, <laughs> the 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 unwanted content, shall we say? Um, yeah, yeah. Wow, that's great. I I knew this. Um, I haven't been to the cinema now for a long time because I hate hate <laughs> all the all the crap. But uh, yeah, I used to when the kids would ask me to to go to the place. 
I used to go and take a take a book and try and sit the uh, the other way around so, and have headphones on, so I didn't have to listen through all the drivel that uh, that you was the spewed in your direction before you even got to the the, the film that you weren't you weren't you probably didn't like very much anyway. <laughs> but yeah, oh, I, it's a it's a hateful hateful place. I really detest it. I don't want to go back to a cinema ever in my entire life. I love the whole thing. I even love the ads. I just love the whole experience. Don't get to go much, but and ever since movies started being computer games on a widescreen, it just ruined it for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We we did have fun going to the Glasgow Science Centre when my kids were a bit younger. Yeah, which has got one of those three um, D screen thingies. Yeah. You know, the, the sort of great big bowl shaped thing that you, you sit in front of. Yeah, yeah. That is, that is amazing. Yeah. But, uh, that's, that's about the only thing I like now. <laughs> Getting old and crotchety. There was one comment. Um, there are five comments in three previous shows, Dave. Would you like to deal with them? Or shall I? I think there's only one that we need to cover because the other there ones. There is, are green. yeah, because we, well, we covered the other ones. Or is it? Okay. So. Adel P uh, on CJDNS and Yedrigsel by um, Yedrigsel. Yeah, I thought your views were so. This is a comment by whom? Sam. Who? Sam. Oh, no. Indeed, and those comments show six. show from two thousand and nineteen oh three. So ah, that's Mar- probably why I March, can't remember. March I in uh, last year, and it was. Ah, yeah. Holden P talking about CJ DNS and drag Yggdragsil. Yggdragsil. Um, okay, you do the comment then. I'll, I'll do you're it. I'll so do good it, at yeah. pronunciation. Mr. I've had higher education. <laughs> <laughs> Come on here. <laughs> I remember this this particular version of Linux coming out and everybody's saying, How the hell are you supposed to say that? It's the name of the tree or something that uh, you find in Valhalla or something like that. Something to do yeah. with the Norse mythology. Anyway, enough. I, I I collect stupid facts that are no use to man or beast and they sit in my head and push out all and the then, useful things. You do uh, do a show about them and then they're <laughs> done. Uh, they won't go away. They won't go away. Anyway, I thought your views were interesting, he says. Um, it was. I was particularly interested in how you highlighted that CJDNS was going to be monetized, and Yggdrasil was not, or at least yet. I've read about CJDNS, Yggdrasil, and IPFS, and I'm not sure exactly how all of these overlap. My limited understanding is CJDNS and Yggdrasil are just the network, but IPFS is the network plus a network storage system. I don't understand how IPFS network finds things or works. Sure, it uses a hash, I get that, but the mechanics of finding the hash, how it determines what pieces of multiple copies it roots back, and how I and how I don't get yet. It would seem to me that if we could get something like a drag sill for the network, that could have multiple encrypted hops like I2P or Tor, then have a store like IPFS, but you could choose what data you mirrored, like torrents or IPFS or ZeroNet, where we could really have a kick-ass open net. But anybody, anyone could publish on on anonymously, and people could choose not to mirror. 
some of the more seedy parts of the darknet. I think these are coming together. I wish it were faster. Interesting. Good comment. Yeah. yeah. I do vaguely remember IPFS mm. being discussed, but I yeah. don't remember much about it. Not familiar with ZeroNet at all. Interesting. Uh, Sam should do shows. So we covered that comment, we covered that comment, we covered that comment. Amazon. Uh, this is about Linux in-laws, season one, episode nine, Postgres. And Bruce um, Momjanian, sorry. The Amazon product based on Postgres 8 is called Redshift, based on Parcel. That's Par interesting. Excel, maybe, or something like that? Parcel. I, I don't know. Yeah, Parcel. Parcel. Bruce, Bruce Mongin was being interviewed on that, that show, I think, wasn't he? He's the, ah. the representative uh, from uh, post, or Postgres. Cool. Good, from, to know. Good to know. Nice for the feedback. So, mailing list discussions. Nothing controversial there at all, at all, at all. Uh, there was a call. Anybody wanted to join the D&D game uh, on UTC Wednesdays? Uh, that has been, I think that's too late now. Um, so we had this question. I'll read. I'll read out my my thingy to the mailing list. <sighs> Fine. Most of the shows we process require us to make some level of modifications to get them posted. This ranges from fixing tags to a complete rewrite of the show notes. Uh, or verifying whether the intros or outros were actually added or not. Each modification that we make means that it requires more human intervention and prevents us from being able to completely automate the upload process. In addition, there is a non-trivial amount of time needed to fix these issues. This can range from a few minutes to an hour or more per show. And with 260 shows a year, this mounts up. We normally don't contact hosts about these issues, as it is usually quicker to fix the issues than composing an email, waiting for the reply that may never come. For the most part, our experience has been that the hosts are more than willing to fix these issues if they are aware of them. As part of the ongoing steps towards automation, would hosts be open to the idea of getting a processing report once we have posted the show? This would list all the issues, the test tools found, and the steps that we need to take to rectify them. When did I send that out? Beginning of the month. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Kind of apt, do. given the yes, yes. discussion that was going on. Uh, how are we going to do this? Do you want to do Andrew's? I'll do Hunky's. Um, Andrew says, yes, that error feedback seems like a good idea. And then... Let me see. Honky says, if it makes life easier, it's a brilliant idea. And who's this? Carl D. Hammond says, I like the idea a lot. Having a list of things that didn't go smoothly means I can make targeted process improvements for the next submission. Okay. Uh Claudio says, uh, I'm done with this as well. The more info, the better, and we can improve HPR as a whole. Taj says, I'm 100% for this. Uh, X110 had a scrubbed attachment, which said, 
I love the idea as well, doubly so if the automated task could be well known and uh, sled performed by the host before upload. Do you want to do a few? Okay, uh, Daniel Pearson says, anything we can do to help the process? I'm a bit hesitant to publish when you can't change your submissions afterwards. Now, that's interesting because I've uh, been thinking about that, about the if we publish to a... Because everything's in a database, which is a bit 1990s, to be honest. And we want to go to from a database to a flat website format and if it's a flat website format we can then check it into git but we could also check all the future episodes into git so therefore you could check out your episode and perhaps perhaps don't hold me to this submit your shows that way and then after the event you could just check out your own episode and then edit it and submit it back to us as a pull request or something so if somebody wants to uh, have a think about how that would actually work, that would be great. Yep. And Norris says, if the contributor agrees, could show processing fixes be published? Could be published with the episode. It would be helpful to future hosts to see common issues. Yeah, that would be something for the FAQ, I reckon. Because then it wouldn't be linked to a particular show, so we wouldn't be. You know. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a good idea. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And shall I do Tony's? Uh, yep, since you, you did too. There, uh, hi, Ken. I don't mind at all. Anything to make life at HBR Towers easier. Brian uh, says, Brian in Ohio, like the idea. Great learning opportunity. And Jason Dodd says, I'm in favour of this. And Honkies. Right. Honky says, if it makes life easier, brilliant idea. We just uh, did, that. We did that. I was following yep. the thread through the through the, the mail, mailman thing, so I think that's the end, isn't it? Yeah. Of that thread, yes. Yes. So I think more or less, now that we've mentioned it on this show, we'll wait for some feedback from the people who are not on the mailing list. And you should be on the mailing list if you're part of the HPR community. If you're listening to this, you should be on the mailing list. Uh, it's usually fairly low uh low amount of um content brain has just ceased to operating but okay fine no difference there i guess um so join the mailing list um but with any hpr policy decision we need to make sure that people uh, listening who are not on the mailing list have an opportunity to contribute you can also send your if you don't want to join the mailing list which is hpr at hackerpublicradio.org you can also send it to the janitors who are misleadingly called admin at hackerpublicradio.org we don't really admin anything we just oil the cogs i guess mm-hmm. that mop and bucket gets used quite often yeah 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 Call for Shows is open. As I said earlier, we uh, could do with, if you've got shows and it's almost ready, if you could finish it off and upload it, that would be super duper. Kevin O'Brien noticed our somebody out there was stealing our intellectual property, Dave. I have the lawyers on them straight away. <laughs> this weird website. They didn't even make an effort to hide it. Hobby Public Radio, Dave. Like The only difference shocking. is hobbyists instead of hackers dear oh dear oh dear what are we going to do 
and uh, Alastair Sinclair says it points to the same place as the main site. I think it's just there to help people sidestep proxies and net nanny type things that look for the word hacker. And he's perfectly right. Yes, that's why we uh, we launched it. But if anybody is forced to, uh, and Kevin replies, let me see, what's this Kevin reply? Ah, that makes sense. I guess I missed that. And Claudio and Dave says, uh, Claudio says, that's what's behind a filter where a hacker is blocked. And then do you want to read yours? Yes, I said... Um Given that we receive frequently asked questions from time to time, I've been wondering about making an FAQ page containing the frequently given answers. Smiley face. Um, In my as yet very brief searches, I came across this mailing list thread, which may be the FGA, frequently given answer, for the hobby public radio question. It points to to the original discussion about this 2015. Yeah, and we should also, uh, in this frequently asked question, I, I was thinking we should merge stuff, but on the other hand, I think it would be better to have it as a kicking off place to show people where you can get the information on it so that we're yes. not... Yes, I think just um, a, a sort of a, a map of uh, where the, the stuff yeah. is. With and just I'll, maybe a, a brief brief summary of, you know, if, if, why? You don't want to, if you don't want to go further, you can just get some hints here, but you want to get the, the gory details, then follow the link. Mm. Yeah, exactly. And that uh, linking to that um, uh, two things um, that I could have would, would have been handy to have in the FAQ was the discussion about the uh, explicit warning thing, that mail thread. That would have been handy because it's a policy decision. So. We put it on the mailing list, we discuss it, we discuss it on community news, and then, all right, we're making this decision. Then that decision has been taken here. Um, that one and the one about Yeroon and the copyrighted material also would be handy to have that thread there. Because it's also important that, say, this is 2015. Um, yeah, th- this one about the Hobby Public Radio is a bit, um, it's a, yeah, non-conversion. Non-com- Traversal because it's just a website that we put up if somebody is blocked. Um, if you are blocked, you should contact me so that I can contact these net nanny people so that um, we can not blaming net nanny or anybody, but the people who are blocking the website so we can have them update our filters. Uh, it's a lot less of an issue now than it was back in 2015. But from time to time, it's been five years since this discussion has occurred, so it is important as well that we reevaluate ourselves in these decisions that we take and go this was the policy back then is everybody still cool with this policy now you know that's that is um basically uh why i hijacked marcus wilson's uh request who uh is a new contributor and wanted to know what the line for this reason we were only releasing material created exclusively for HBR. That would be handy to have the um, to the link on the mailing list about that. So uh, he can I so I'll read his comment. I have some ideas that I wanted to provide some shows. I had a question about the interpretation of produced for Hacker Public Radio for this and he quotes, for this reason we only produce only releasing material created exclusively for HPR. Can I do a show for HPR and then share the show to another community online radio later? 
If it's CC by SA, I assume so. But I wanted to ask before I start working on my DS. Thank you very much. So probably best to read the entire thread here. I reply, Marcus, if you create material and post it first in HPR, then it meets the requirements you mentioned. That means once you upload it to HPR server, you can publish it anywhere else you like. You can ping the janitors at admin at HPR for more technical questions as this list goes to the community. That said, this questions and three other queries I had off the mailing list does bring a fundamental question as to what HPR is. Are we a content production network like YouTube? Or are we a podcast that random people contribute to? Or to put it another way, is the host addressing the internet in general or the HPR audience? I'd like to hear your opinions of the community on this, please. To which? So Kevin O'Brien says, that's hooker content of interest to hackers always worked for me. Now, Stankdog, who is one of the founders of HPR, uh, I've always intended for this show to be by hackers for hackers and think that most of the content should be specifically for the HPR audience of hackers. I think it is certainly fine to mix in other shows or parts of other shows that are relevant to hackers, but I would like to keep it 90% custom shows for HPR. It is a community, it is a group community podcast, is, sorry, it is a group community podcast than a platform. Definitely not a network because that's what DPP Hack Radio was for. That network went down and we couldn't keep enough good content coming. Now we could probably do it, but uh, going to let that rest in peace. Just my thoughts and visions from the beginning. Uh, just some background there. Digital Dog Pound is DPP, and DT, DPP Hack Radio was also similar to the Infonomicom um, uh, Hacker Media thing, which is also aggregation of feeds. Next comment, Dave. Okay, um, Daniel Person says, Hi, people. I'm a YouTube creator and create educational content for my channel. When I feel that a subject could be explained or talked about in audio only, I repurpose that for HPR. So far, I've always re-record the audio and focus on the target audience. Doing it this way, I only have to do the research once. I'm not sure what the difference would be if I created the audio for HPR first more than that it would be less rehearsed, perhaps. hope this workflow works for you. And Brian says, listening, Brian in Ohio, listening back to old HPR episodes, there have been many show series that have seemingly been people trying out their podcasting chops on HPR to see if hosting their own show was something they wanted to do. Talk Geek to Me and the Alien Brothers come to mind. Some are better than others. Talk to Me to me Good, Alien Brothers, not so good. But they both helped keep the lights on at HPR so for that i am thankful i've never had a problem getting a slot for an episode i have produced and i always think i'm addressing the hbr audience itself when i'm doing a show whatever happens to dick keep a monster bee they produce some great shows i'm a little sad that i wasn't part of hbr uh, but it's nice to hear what they had to say p.s if monster bee or dp <laughs> keep geek read this you all can show 
Very good, very good. Um, oh, Kartu says there seem to be three use cases created content for zero HPR and posts only to HPR. One HPR and post first to HPR, then post elsewhere. Two multiple targets, one of which is HPR. Based on what Stank has said in response to this thread, zero and one are easily within the original intent of HPR. Two seems to require a bunch of parameters to define. On the surface, I think it's fine, but then again, it could be abused. To better define expe expectations, I'd like to know what we would classify as abuse. The things that come to, m to mind as abuse, scroll, 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 um, a big corporate-style podcast deciding to mirror a show on HBO just to boost their own signal. Any condition resulting in more days a week of mirrored content than the original content produced for HBR. Uh, a media blitz targets every possible outlet, including HBR, in an attempt to air content on a massive scale. The content may qualify as being of interest to hackers, but HBR is being, HBR is being used as a small piece in a larger campaign. Next, an AI generates unique tech content and posts it to HBR. It's valid content, but is rote and uninteresting. Next, someone seeks to silence the voices of HBR by occupying all available slots with content that appears to be of interest to hackers. Again, someone posts disinformation. As this can sometimes be up for debate, it may, not, may or may not always qualify as abuse. But ideally, the community will eventually flag repeat offences and deal with the content accordingly. So that's abuse. There's some examples of abuse. Not abuse. A content creator posts audio programming tutorials to HBR and video plus audio to YouTube, knowing that the audiences are different crowds. Next, a podcaster doesn't have money for hosting and so posts their tech podcast to HBR and points to the media in their own RSS feed. Whether or not the podcaster acknowledges HBR, the head and tail of each show identifies HBR as a significant sponsor, in quotes. Next, a big corporate-style podcast decides to mirror an episode or two on HBR because they believe the content is especially relevant to our network. This is done sparingly, maybe once a month. Should they be contacted by HBR, the podcast staff responds, interacting with the HBR community on a personal level to explain why they feel HBR is an appropriate outlet for their CC by SA content. Next, a content creator produces content for HBR but is, is uninteresting and boring to listen to. Most of our audience skips their episodes. Next, a content creator produces content for HBR, but they speak in a heavy accent, and most of our audience cannot understand what they're saying, or the audio quality is poor. So, Clatter says, I don't know the best way to codify something like this. On one hand, I do think it's important to have this established officially. On the other hand, I don't think everyone submitting a show needs this level of detail. Yes. Um, yeah. Good analysis, excellent analysis. Yeah. Oh, there was a signature removed as well, so that's uh, okay. Good. Um, yeah, I'm I'm reluctant. So he he gives zero HPR post only to HPR and two multiple targets, one of which is is HPR. So there's an expression in Dutch to the ball on the ship uh, between the 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 ship and the pier is kind of where the sum falls down. 
And that is where we tried to, where we came up with this idea that you post to HPR first and post somewhere else later is kind of, but it's so gray the area. So that's why I wanted to take a step back and go, are we a podcast network? Is this something that we want to do versus are we a podcast community all feeding into this one thing, which is HBR, the podcast. Um, and so far, it seems to be that we are not a content network. We are a HBR podcast. That said, if about the uh, podcast don't have the money for hosting, so the tech podcast to HBR, I would much prefer that they contact us and then we'll help them um, do that via... Um, internet archive and they have their own feeds and we get them a wordpress blog there's plenty of ways that you can uh bring up a podcast absolutely on your own without having to go through hpr and all the all the basically restrictions that we have like the you can't choose the time because you have to share everybody else you know if you're you're not supposed if you're following the guidelines and the spirit of hpr there's a lot more restrictions on you than if you just simply upload it to to internet archive and had your own wordpress blog on uh, free hosting somewhere wouldn't you agree dave yes indeed yes yeah okay but this is a good summary i will continue on then with uh jason dodd asks just out of curiosity what does post first mean airs first this would not affect me just curious to which i reply uh once you get the second confirmation email back then it's on the server. That's what it means. So the reason for that would be, I think it's unfair if somebody has a piece of content, like you say, they've got their own YouTube channel, but they're, they, they're sub, they've met a show and consciously they're this part of the overall show or uh, all of the show or some part of the show has been uh, intended for HBR app production, then I feel it's unfair of us to have to wait, make them wait three months that can occur in some cases. You know, now it's only a week because we're short of shows, but you, you sometimes can have to wait three months. So as soon as you sent it to the HPR and you got your second email back, then any delay in posting it is is not your fault, so to speak. So that's what the idea behind that is. And Jason Dodd says got it so it could air on another platform first just as long as posted to hbr first i'm amazed anyone listens to my shows and can't imagine any place wanting them else wanting them but just in case uh yannick says as a content maker i always produce content for my own channel first typical selfish oh sorry mute button not on anyway sorry again as a content maker i always produce content from my own channel first i've never seen hpr as being an original content publisher which explains my mistake of rebranding some of my original uh my original mistake in publishing on hpr after it was originally published on another channel which also explains why i've been silent for a while i will always publish on my channel first and by doing so I will not be able to post that content to HBR. If I ever produce content that is HBR compliant in the future, I will gladly post it then. Until then, I'm a silent lurker. Yannick, the French guy from Switzerland. And I have to admit that ever since this incident where I commented to Yannick 
has this been posted somewhere else? In that case, what it turned out was it, it wasn't anyway, because it was a reworking of some content that he had done. So it completely was fine to publish in HPR. But I see Yannick as being, by doing what he's doing, as being a HPR community member cemented uh, than, than he would otherwise be. However, I see loads of opportunities where there would be uh, stuff that he could publish on HPR that wouldn't be related to the stuff that he's doing on his own channel. For example, if you look at Clatu, I can never really figure out what when Clatu decides to record a podcast, whether he will put it on HPR or whether he put it on the GNU World Order, which one. I don't know how he makes that decision, but he seems to make that decision. We have also had shows in the past where they offcuts or the outtakes of uh, the Linux logcast, for instance, uh, was it the Linux logcast? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, were I posted think. over here. Mm-hmm. And I personally would be in favor of a collaboration with the Yannick's uh, show, which the name of it escapes me right now. Maker's Corner, is it? Maker's Corner, oh, correct. Maker's Corner, yes. yeah. yeah. Um, that is exactly the sort of content that would be ideal for HBR. And I could see a situation where we would say to Yannick, um, we would like you to uh, produce a series of beginners tutorials for HBR. Um, get a reservation from the HBR community on the mailing list and then basically have the waiver where he, on the Maker's Corner channel, they have every week uh, or every time they release a series on, you know, this is a basic resistor, this is a capacitor, this is what this does, and, you know, basically have a project on their, within their show that is given an exception on HBR. We could definitely... Um, propose that sort of thing to the community. I don't think anyone would have a problem with that. Uh-huh. But that's different than than the general. Um, my issue there would be that um, that would always have to go to the HPR mailing list that we would get those sort of things approved. And this goes back to the fundamental question: Are we a podcast network, or are we a podcast? community where we say well you know in this case i don't mind if you sends that in but in the other case i do mind because they're relying just using us for uh, to get publish publicity for this product that they're trying to sell it's a thin line i don't know yeah. if you can codify it to be honest no it's it's hard um Clatu's list of abuses and uh, not abuses is very comprehensive and it's, yeah yeah it's it's a more complex issue than than is immediately obvious i think so do you want to do uh, Clatu? Yeah, yeah sorry i i just my mind wandered there um Klaatu says i uh, this is in reply to to yannick i don't believe you're in violation of any hbr rule yannick i appreciate the content you post and your participation in the community call Maybe you're referring to an interaction you've had privately with HBR admins. I think we as a community do need to think about what qualifies as abuse. I don't think Yannick is abusing HBR, for instance, but I do acknowledge that someone could do what Yannick is doing for a result that would look and feel like an abuse of HBR. If Yannick exactly. Mirror, yes, nicely put. If Yannick didn't mirror some of his content on HBR, I wouldn't ever have heard him because I didn't know he existed till I heard him on HBR. So there's value in mirroring some content some of the time. 
And that's exactly what the um, the podcast recommendations thing is. But that is a show that so you hear about Yannick's podcast, for instance, Dave, and you take that you contact Yannick and you say, "Well, I'd like to put this show on or whatever," or you don't even need to if it's a CC. Uh, it has to be a Creative Commons podcast, and you, you find some Creative Commons podcasts and you go, you write a wrapper to that and you tell the community I'm recommending this because it's a good show and blah 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 and blah 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 and then you include a sample episode and you're good to go and you're golden yeah yeah but I think who was it that said that Dave uh, about porn I'll know it when I see it abuse I know it when I see it I can mm. I can smell mm. it Dave <laughs> yes <laughs> I won't ask what it smells like <laughs> yeah 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 and also, uh, I have no problem in if we start getting spam, it's only a matter of time actually before we do uh, getting spam episodes, then we will treat that exactly the same way as we treat all the other spam that comes in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, we're being inundated with spam through admin and stuff. Um, so, yeah, and not so much on the comments. We have had bursts of it. No, we killed that. Although yeah. there was a... A few weeks back, there was somebody, uh, I don't know, was it this month or last month? Somebody was trying their best. <laughs> I, had, I had to applaud them. And then I banned their IP, and that stopped them. <laughs> but okay. <laughs> yes. So um, do you want to do the, the last one on this thread, which was Yannick? Yep. Uh, Yannick says, uh, I hate you all. I'm going to go to my nuclear bunker, and you can all... No, that's not actually what he said. Indeed, I don't think it was a violation. The matter is settled anyway, smiley face. I just don't want to take any chances in the future. I'm gladly post to HPR again, if and when the HPR first policy gets updated. But yeah, and that's that's sad, really, because yeah. But how do I? How do we? How do I propose something that somebody won't take advantage of? Yeah, I know. I was ta- I, I quite see where Yannick's coming from, and I wasn't sure quite how to how to handle that myself yet. Yeah. Uh, Tony Hughes had replied, uh, "Dear Ken, regarding the question about content, I always ask myself if it's of interest to hackers in the wider sense before submitting a show." And there are always first and foremost HPR shows. I've used items I've posted on my blog in the past to form the basis of a show. I use my show notes to create a blog post, but the audio is always for HPR. I definitely think of HPR as a podcast with the content submitted by like-minded individuals. Although in some cases, as with myself, it may lead to the creation of other podcast material, not for HPR or the confidence to join other shows. That's Tony being a being a Mintcast uh, host. Exactly. Which he, yeah. which he does Sorry. extremely well. Yeah. Definitely. This has been an interesting discussion, actually, and makes me think quite a lot, because I think need to think quite fundamentally about these this input from people. Yep. Truncate Silence is taking out all these silences, by the way. <laughs> we hope, because um, we edit the show. So, 
Uh, yeah, it's my turn, isn't it? Andrew, I've got Andrew Conway here. Um, says, Tony expressed my views, so I won't repeat what he put so clearly. Only I'd add that after a show goes out, I look to comments and other feedback to check if it was of interest to the HBR audience. If it was, if it was, that informs me going forward. Yep. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, but it's a, it's separate to the whether it's of interest to hackers or not is really irrelevant because if you thought it was interesting enough, then surely somebody else, one other person, is going to find it interesting. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Put it's your a, content on HBR if you genuinely think it's interesting if it's spam then that fails that test so we're good to go there uh, but this is about how do we as a community feel we're taking you know are we going to take the money are we going to diversify and use this as a podcasting network and the reason why it's so important is is the attitude that i have experienced it's Right, you know, on uh, do you watch Big Clive at all, Dave? Yes, I do. Um, yes, say yes. And he has he has discussed about YouTube and about uh, the frenzy that people go into about uh, monetizing and stuff. And he's talked about go ahead and add block my shows because I don't care. <laughs> so I do it for fun, and I always find it funny that YouTube is there and you have content producers who are. People who are using their platform, not paying any hosting, complaining that they're not getting revenue from the people who are paying for their hosting. I just find that very weird myself. Yeah, yeah. But it has developed into that, hasn't it? That uh, people are actually making their livings from uh, from from YouTube. Which yes, is, but they're, is... they're not going down to the local... Uh, you know the local uh, tv station and pitching their show and going and paying them the you know the risk that somebody is paying for this distribution they're who's paying for the ones and zeros who's paying for the storage who's paying for the replication of the data across all the servers who's keeping the servers on it's google it's youtube and you know (laughs) you, you could argue like that you're that Back in the 90s, you would be paying somebody to host your website and you pay for bandwidth. If I put up a video on my my personal website, I pay for the bandwidth to put it there and I pay for the bandwidth of everybody who pulls it off. So why do people think that it's okay to put it on YouTube? Yeah, I suppose the argument is there that they're making revenue from your content being up there but equally you're yes. not paying you're not paying them yeah the millions. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it yeah the whole business of the people who contribute to contribute content to youtube making the advertising model that google used to make money work uh, is 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 part of it um but yeah, I, I, I find myself a bit puzzled about the, where the dividing lines are between these 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 factors, and um, 
whether you've, you have any rights. You don't have any rights at all. You, you're just doing it because you're, a, you're, you're the product which is being used to, uh, to, to make money. And, okay, you can make money along the way if you, if you have enough people interested in it. But uh, it's a very, uh, it strikes me as an extremely fragile thing to uh, to be putting your whole living on, to be uh, to be expecting to be able to to feed your family on the basis of. Yeah, and fair enough. Uh, revenue sharing and all sorts is fine, but um, yeah, it's just it's basically the it's I. And I bring that up because of the attitude of somebody like Big Clive is basically, I'm getting this free hosting, fine. Um, rather than, oh, I'm not getting the hits that I used to because somebody, somebody's changed the algorithm. Well, go get billboards and, you know, put advertisements on, buy, buy ads. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I digress. I don't. I don't think this has um, clarified what I wanted to say. <laughs> Just show show me how uh, <laughs> how little I understand in, in absolute terms, I guess. Well, it's it's basically the uh, I'd like to put I'd like to post a show on HPR. What do I need to do? That's fine. Versus, uh, I've got all this stuff, and I want you to put it on, and uh, I need you to do this and I need you to do that and I want you to do this and the next thing that's that's kind of the difference in attitude and that's basically what it comes down to at the end yes. of the day we want to avoid being used in a, yeah. in a way that uh, would not, not be fair by absolute terms yeah that's why it's a uh, it's kind of important for us to decide are we a podcast network or are we a I know I refer to us as a podcast network but we're probably not it's the tech podcast the creative commons tech podcast whatever okay uh, what else Dave uh, we might as well skip over the events calendar I guess because there's not going to be not a lot of point yeah. a great deal on there tags and summaries we've had a, a lot of contributions from Windigo and uh, Daniel Person, who between them have contributed eighty-one updates, which is the wow, largest cool. we've ever managed to to get. So, thank you to them both for their contributions. Lockdown that, kicking in there greatly for us. <laughs> that brings us down to four hundred and fifty-five. I think uh, needing needing attention. So. Yeah, just going from memory. I so it. only four hundred and fifty-five shows have. Have not been edited yet. <laughs> mm-hmm. Need attention. Need need assistance. So yeah. So we were very happy. <laughs> that was wonderful. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, that's brilliant stuff. Brilliant. Okay, uh, tune in tomorrow. This is way too long. This show. Sorry about that, guys. Uh, tune in tomorrow for another exciting episode of Hacker Public Radio. <laughs> You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. 
If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license.